One thing you really want to avoid in any production Rails application is the user receiving this error message, the 500 error message, which means probably there was an exception raised inside of your application. And sometimes that means something is really wrong inside of your code. So when a user receives this exception error message, you really should be notified of it and try to fix it as fast as possible. But what is the workflow and the process of fixing these kind of problems? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. Now, there are several different solutions for being alerted about exceptions in your application, and I will link to each of these in the show notes. So the first one here is the classic exception notification plugin. You just install this, and it will send you an email every time there is an exception raised. It's very primitive, but I think it was pretty effective, especially because... You know, it's just so annoying to get all these emails about exceptions. You want to fix them as fast as possible. It's very difficult to ignore the exceptions. Now, another solution is called Exception Logger. And I covered this one back in episode number 104. And what this does is it basically records the various exceptions into a database and then displays it through an interface so you can manage exceptions through that. Now, the other solutions I have here are commercial solutions, the first one here being Hoptoad which uh, will log your various exceptions and store them on their web server, and then you can uh, interact with them through a slick interface they provide, which I've tried and it's really quite nice. The other commercial solution is similar, it's called Exceptional, and uh, I have not tried this one, but it's nice to uh, have some competition in this space, and so you might want to check it out. So once we set that up, we should start to get alert messages on exceptions that we receive. So they might look something like this, for example. Uh, you can see here we have a no method error exception on the products controller create action and define method add to. So uh, it appears that we misnamed this method and we need to fix it. And it's in the product.rb file on line 6. So it looks pretty simple. We could just go in and fix this problem, right? Wrong. I don't encourage you to just jump right in and fix the problem without first having a test for it. Now, for those of you who currently are not doing testing, you might think, oh, this is another testing episode, and just close this window. Well, I encourage you to keep on going and bear with me here, because even if you aren't doing testing, you really should add integration tests for these kind of things. And it's really quite simple, as I want to show you here. And I find integration tests to be kind of the most cost-effective form of testing, where you really get the most bang for your buck. Now, I'm not saying that this should be a replacement for full-on test-driven development, but that you should be doing this kind of testing no matter what. Think of it this way. Somehow this exception managed to slip through the cracks of whatever checking you're doing to ensure that your application is ready for production. So you really need to cover this kind of area in, in tests and make sure that this kind of exception doesn't happen again because it seems that this area of code is not well-tested enough. So here I'm going to use the built-in Rails integration tests to duplicate this exception. But really you can use any other kind of integration test, maybe Cucumber, for example, to handle this. Um, but I do encourage you to use integration tests first, just so that you have a full uh, covering over the entire stack and make sure that it all works together smoothly. And then you can go in and fine-tune and get little unit tests in there as well. So to do this, we can just start off with a simple script generate uh, integration test, and then let's call it exceptions. So this way we'll just have a single place we can toss all these tests which um, are made from exceptions alerts. So here's that file that was generated, and in here we can just 
duplicate our request here to uh, uh, duplicate that exception. Now my convention for naming these tests is just the type of request it is, so in this case it's a post request, and then the URL it goes to, so the products URL, and then we'll just run a post call on the products URL. Now there are a number of different parameters that were passed into this request, as you can see here, and we want to duplicate the behavior of this request. So let's just copy these, and then we could paste those parameters here on the end of this post method call, just a hash of options here. And some of these we don't need, such as the action and controller parameters and this big long authenticity token. We don't really need that for integration tests here. So that simplifies it quite a bit. Now we're basically duplicating the request that the user made. It's not completely accurate duplication, but it'll get us close enough to duplicate the exception that was raised. And then we have to um, ensure that our re response is correct. So we can do a certain response then this is either a redirect or success. Now I am creating a new product here, but I actually want to raise a validation error, so I want to display success instead of a redirect, um, as you'll see in a little bit. And now to run this new test, it's just a simple call to rake test integration. So as you can see here, we expected to get a successful response, but instead we got a 500 error message, which is what we're wanting because we want to duplicate that exception of the add to method being undefined. And uh, we don't have the full stack trace here, which is unfortunate. I guess it's just because we're using integration testing here in Rails. Um, but if someone does know how to get the full stack trace of this exception which is raised, uh, please post it in the comments for this episode. So if we go to our product model, we can see that add to method here, and we just simply have to rename this to errors.add and then it will be proper and not raise that exception. Now, if you are doing unit testing already, I highly recommend that you, instead of just jumping right to this point, that you add a separate unit test for something that's this low level. This way, if something does break in here, uh, that um, it's a little bit more finer grain and you can quickly determine what the problem is based on the unit test. So let's try running our integration tests again, and this time we get a successful uh, message, so our problem was now fixed. So we've resolved that exception problem, and now we have a nice little integration test to go with it. So let's do one more of these and look at this new alert notification uh, of a different exception. As you can see here, this one's a template error on the edit action of the product's controller, and we have uh, looks like some kind of syntax error in the view here. So let's first generate an integration test for this URL. So let's add another integration test here for that exception. Uh, we'll have it a git request for that URL. And so we'll just call the git method on that URL. And we actually don't even have to pass any additional parameters into here. Then we'll just assert the response and make sure it's a success. So now when we run our integration tests again, we should get an error message and we do. However, if we look closely, it's not quite the error message we're expecting. It says we want it to be a success, but we got a 404 instead of a 500. And the reason is because that product with the ID of 8 is not found. So again here, back in our integration test, you can see we're looking for a product with the ID of 8, which of course doesn't exist in our test database. So that's the only really tricky part about these kind of integration tests 
that sometimes you need some kind of state which exists outside of the user's request that they're making. So to do this, we're going to have to prepare that state. It might be maybe a session variable or some records in a database, for example. Uh, in this case, it's the records in a database. So we have to create them somehow. Um, you could do this in several ways. You could do it with factories, for example, like I show you in episode 158. Or you could use your fixtures if you're using those. Here I do have fixtures set up. So just for simplicity's sake, I'll just use fixtures. So we'll have a product. Um, let's grab just the first product here. And then we'll just insert the ID into here. So then when we run our tests again, you can see we do get another failure, but it's the failure we want because it's 500 and is that syntax exception. And so if we go into that view template, you can see here we forgot a comma. So it's a simple fix. And when we run our tests again, we can see that they're both passing now. So we've successfully solved both of those exception problems through uh, integration tests. Now, once you get this workflow down, it's a really solid method for dealing with exceptions which happen in production. In this way, you have a full set of integration tests, which uh, is really testing your most vulnerable code and just ensuring that no exceptions happen there. Now, it's definitely not a replacement for full-on test-driven development, but uh, it's definitely a nice addition, especially if you're dealing with um, exceptions which you know somehow slip through the cracks. Now, if you want to improve your integration testing, I encourage you to check out WebRat, which I cover in episode 156. And this will give you additional ways to duplicate the user's behavior. Now that's all for this episode. I'll see you next week.